airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And uh, boy, we got a, a little bit of a, I guess a couple of different topics that, that we'd like to get to, um, all revolving around um, I guess defending our faith, passing our faith down. Again, that's kind of like our area. We've got we've got one note, right? Like we, I mean, we just care deeply mm-hmm. about what it looks like living as faithful Christians right. uh, in 21st century America. We right. lead with our identity as Christians, and as you will hear, as we take a look at a Barna report, you will hear that that is so important. Yeah, um, that just calling yourself a Christian. Um, does not have, in many instances, any distinguishable marks in right. culture right. versus living faithfully and leading with your chief first and foremost identity being that of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That seems it like, may, duh. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like, duh. And it may seem like it, it would be um, a matter of semantics. Do you mm-hmm. think that some people would say, okay, you call yourself a Christian. I call mm-hmm. myself a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and they would yeah. say, we're saying the same thing. Right, 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 but right. But Barna is saying, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, the Barna, um, Barna report, this Barna report that we were looking at, suggests that there is a difference in how we identify first. Mm-hmm. And that even in our practice, in our daily living, um, kind of will determine which which identity category we fall into, I guess, mm. if you wanted to say it that way. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'm looking forward to getting to that. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I read another article and and don't um, don't worry. You know, when, when we talk about a, a bunch of different articles, we try to put those articles in the show notes. Yeah. So if you go to AFR.net and you click on the archives, you can get the show archives and also you can get the links to the articles that we're discussing. Right. And then also if we have a guest on, which this reminds me, we got an, we got an email from one of our listeners who said, Hey, I couldn't believe that I was the only one who gave to Robert Oscar Lopez. Mm -hmm. And they said, they said, could you please give the website again? Maybe it's that people didn't get it. Well, here is what we realize. It's also maybe that um, we didn't have the proper link in the archives Mm -hmm. from the show on Monday. Yeah. And so we went in and fixed that. And so if you guys are listening on Monday and you want to support Robert Oscar Lopez, you will see that there is just more than one gift that has been given um, to support this brother and the Lord. But you will also find those links work. So anyway, you can go to AFR.net. That's Monday's show, by the way, that we interviewed Robert Oscar Lopez. Right. And um, and I'm trying to remember the website off the top of my head. I think it was like. Anyway, go to AFR.net. Yeah. <laughs> Click on the link, the archives from the, the Monday show. And um, and you'll find the interview there and then also find the links to keep up with what he's doing and also give your support. And it, the one for support is the last link and it, it has a forward slash of his name. So it's the last link in that row. There's like three other ones. So it's the last one to, to give. Mm-hmm. 
So I was looking at another article that I found interesting that I would like to use to kind of start the show and then uh, transition into talking about this Barna research. Always interesting to see what comes from the Barna group. Mm -hmm. But um, I was reading this article from the Daily Signal, and uh, it was commentary on a different type of religious freedom index um, with Americans being surveyed. And I think when we often think of religious freedom and we think of hostility, we think in terms of government hostility, Mm -hmm. right? So can a person um, exercise their religious freedom, you know, freely, for lack of a better word? Um, And do they fear punishment by the government? That's typically what you expect when you look at national ratings or when you look at uh, country ratings, you know, what are the most oppressive countries? You're looking at how the government um, imposes or oppresses people um, of religious faith, right? Various religious faiths. And, and, and that's interesting to look at. We care about that. We, you know, we have a vested interest in, um, I guess we make it our business and, mm-hmm. and we celebrate religious freedom, not only here in this country, but around the world. Mm-hmm. But there was another way that is interesting about this report that I was reading that looks at religious freedom. It is how it is socially viewed. Mm-hmm. So it's not just what the government says as far as how you can live out your faith. It is how people view the rights of others to live out their faith. And in particular, this report that I was reading looks at Americans views on what religious freedom is and how it should be exercised freely Mm -hmm. in the public square. Mm -hmm. Now, Will, (laughs) okay. The thing that's interesting to me about this is that it appears that we are on a trajectory that even Christians are beginning to believe that the free exercise of religion maybe in some ways should be curtailed. Yeah. That it, it should not be as free as we think free is. Right. Now, um, that's a little bit scary. All it right? is. You, <laughs> go ahead. No, it is. And I think, man, we sometimes we may underestimate the power of the narrative. Or, yeah. or, or even of media and th- because I think if you're constantly being pumped that you know your religious uh the way that you're you're practicing religion and stuff like that is uh, uh hurtful and harmful and it's mm-hmm. and it's bad and you know yep you you can run the risk of yourself thinking oh man we maybe we this is a private yes. thing we need to keep oh, this within the, the the church doors and we don't need to be so I think that begins to play on the mind of even the believer if you're not careful with what you're taking in and evaluating what you're taking in as seen as an agenda is the narrative that they're mm-hmm. trying to get across to make you feel this way. Mm, man, that's bullseye. Will I mean that is that's exactly what we're talking about today. We're talking about basically the Christians who are supposed to be salt and light ultimately taking our cues from the world. Right. So they say you guys are constantly pushing your narrative. You're constantly pushing your beliefs. So then Christians start to internalize that attack or they start to internalize that accusation. And they say, you know what? These people are right. Mm -hmm. Maybe we ought not to be practicing our religion so freely. Maybe we ought to keep that as a private thing between ourselves and God. What we don't understand is that we are chewing the rope that we're hanging from. You know what I mean? It's like right, it's us right. <laughs> robbing ourselves of our own freedoms. I always say to people, mm. you know, um, when we stand up for the rights that have been protected for us, you know, again, not given to us by government, but protected for us by our government. I always tell people who are always working to to, you know, undermine that. Stop the rights you save may be your own. Mm, OK, right. just <laughs> 
better take it slow. I'm just saying, okay? Just stop the rights. You save maybe your own. And it seems that this is the case. So the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, mm-hmm. which is a leading nonprofit law firm uh, defending religious freedom, is looking at uh, religious freedom or the state of religious freedom in America. And they're looking at the social approach to religious freedom. That is, how how do we view religious freedom and what should it look like in practice? So uh, according to this this index, you know, they're trying to take the, the temperature of the country. And so they asked a series of questions. One of the questions they asked was about was about um, religious pluralism. So basically, should a person be able to practice their religion in daily life without fear of discrimination or harm? So this has nothing to do with um, being punished by the government. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. which is what we often think of when we think right. of our religious freedoms. Right. This is should a person be able to practice their religion in daily life? without the fear of discrimination or harm. In other words, without the fear of being ostracized from the larger community. Okay. Now, overall, according to this, this index, 80% of Americans support religious pluralism. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can practice your religion, you know, obviously, as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as your religion doesn't require that you inflict pain, that kind of thing. So 80% of Americans believe that you can do this. But here is the concern, though. The concern is that that number probably is going to continue to decline Mm. because what this study also found was that the principles of religious freedom are at the mercy of cultural norms. Mm. Now, (laughs) this is where it gets sticky. So in other words, the largest gap when responding about if people are free to practice their religion, the largest gap was about the freedom to practice one's religious beliefs, quote, even if they are contrary to accepted majority mm. practices. Sound like Hillary Clinton. So listen, right, exactly <laughs> right. But here, I think there's a little bit of Hillary in a lot of people who profess to be Christians. Mm. So instead of adhering to the word of God and saying, no, listen, you know, this, this is our faith. This is our conviction. This is our practice. We, we don't have any laws. You know what I'm saying? Other than what we have. This is, this is what we abide by. And I'm using law loosely, not law capital L, but for the Christian, this is what the Bible teaches us on issue X or issue Y. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, what we are finding increasingly is that as cultural sentiment changes, we see Mm. this with Obergefell. Yeah. Right. Yep. In your life, who you never would have imagined would change their minds about marriage between a man and a woman as God's only design for marriage. Mm -hmm. But they have been worn down by a culture that told them to hold that view is bigoted. Yeah. So it feels like exercising or living faithfully according to that practice Mm -hmm. seems wrong. Mm -hmm. It seems that you are, you are hurting someone unnecessarily because of what you believe. This is why it, it, it is, you know, the question is, well, why can't you just make the cake? Right. Why can't you just arrange the flowers? So the 80 percent would be of Christians, right? Is that right? No, no. That's overall all Americans. All 80 percent believe okay. that you should, which is still a high number. Yeah. The problem, the sticking point. I was going to say if it was Christians, that's low for me right now. But that's well, that's um, that's among all Americans. Well, here we go. One quarter of Americans. Um, well, I'm jumping ahead in this article because there's something interesting about uh, religious tests for those who would hold public office. And about 25 percent of Americans say that there should be a religious test. When you look at the breakdown <laughs> between those who respond who are Christians mm-hmm. or who are religious and those who are not like the agnostics or the atheists, 
um, those numbers are pretty much the same in the breakdown. Mm. So of the 25 percent of Americans who believe that there should be a religious test applied to those who want to hold public office. In other words, well, in addition, (laughs) they believe those who are religious and those who are not Mm -hmm. believe that if a person um, intends to use their religious conviction to inform how they govern, then they're not fit for public office. Hmm. Now, I know that there may be some people who are listening, but look, this is why we have Article 6 of the Constitution, that there can never, ever, and in fact, I I marked it, I have my little pocket Constitution. Mm -hmm. And so as I was preparing for this, I went and, and got it just so that I could read it for our listeners to be able to hear it, because our Constitution doesn't leave any gray area here Um, And I'm just going to read it. This is Article 6, and and the last portion of it says, The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of several state legislatures and all executives and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. But if you look in the last two years. Oh, they've been doing that. They've been. (laughs) Bernie Sanders, anyone? Bernie Uh, Sanders, Cory Booker, Spartacus himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look. And in fact, man, um, I think it was. Was it the Family Research Council? Yeah, the Family Research Council had an incredible article out earlier this year in February where they listed like 12 U.S. senators who in the last two years have (laughs) attempted to apply a religious test to those nominees that the president has put forth. I mean, and it's just insane because you go through and you're reading this and you're reading the the verbiage that's coming from them. You know, you remember remember Bernie Sanders? I understand that you're a Christian. Right, right. I understand that you're a Christian. And, And I think their mindset is that, man, there's some religions that's just hurtful. For, for mankind, that's they feel like you know some some religions are are, are ones that need to be uh, tested and and we need to have some type of way to see if th- these people can serve if they're of certain religions. Here's the problem though, and and I think we need to understand and have a distinction with yeah, and I I, I get what you're saying there, but with Christians. I think being a Christian does not mean that you discriminate against someone who does not share your religious oh, yeah, conviction, exactly. right? But being a Christian means that you will up behave uprightly, that you have, you know, sound moral conduct mm-hmm. in all of your governance. Like, mm-hmm. I think that and, and, you know, there's years gone by that we would have understood that, that right. we would have been rooting for the Christian to be in office because, well, they're going to be the honest ones. Oh, yeah. Moral, right? They're going <laughs> to be the moral ones. Yeah. They're going to be the ones that you can trust. But it seems that Christians in America increasingly, um, the table has turned. Yeah. All right, we got to grab the break. Um, Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. God only knows what you've been through. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you spending some time with us as we discuss various headlines and filter those headlines through an unapologetic biblical worldview. Um, look, I just got to tell you, knowing what I know about Christianity, um, I would say that anyone who is going to hold public office, who is a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is your best bet bar none. 
Yes. You say, Miki, you're agree. not qualified to make that claim. <laughs> no, I am because I know the faith. No, I am. If they are a, a real Christian, not just a church goer. Uh, well, see, faithful a, uh, follower. Yeah. Faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will put against anyone. Let me tell you something. A faithful follower. A resilient disciple. Of, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. A resilient disciple, as the Barna group calls them. That's funny. A resilient disciple. That's going <laughs> to that's got to become like common vocabulary. Right. <laughs> After today, it will be. But a resilient disciple who grew up in the harshest of conditions. I mean, I don't care how busted up and broken up your family was, but if you come to Christ and you become a resilient disciple, I would put you up against a person who grew up in a pristine type of family, but mm-hmm. is void of Christ any day. Amen. You got it. Amen. I, I trust you more. Amen. I would, I would trust your leadership more. I'm telling you. And look, this also is what it looks like to be a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and that your first and foremost identity is that of Christian. Boom. Right? So like people, <laughs> you, we should never like, <laughs> look, I enjoy being around Christians most of all. Mm-hmm. I just really do. I like us. <laughs> oh, Miki, that's just so narrow-minded and so exclusive. Okay, sure. I mean, <laughs> we, can we just be used to that? Like we should prefer being around the body of Christ. Like mm-hmm. we should we should enjoy that distinction that we have that is called the family of God. It should be a beautiful thing. Especially anyway. as things heat up in the world around us. I think oh, we, man. we need to identify family and be close to family. Like yeah. I, I think we'll see more and more as we as we go along, you know, how important it is for us to have a, a strong fellowship with the body of Christ. Yeah, because you're going to look around and realize that the people you thought you could trust, you hmm. know what I mean? The people that you thought were in, it's going to, it's sort of the refining fire. Yeah. I really think is what yeah. we're, what we're looking at. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's for King and Country, God Only Knows. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. I was listening to a little bit of Christmas music today with the kids, and uh-huh. we were listening to the group Pentatonics, you know, uh, the, yeah. the uh, acapella mm-hmm. group, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and they were singing God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And um, I had the kids kind of sitting at the bar, and we were listening to it, and I was making them some breakfast, and, and they were playing with Legos. And um, you you don't know that they're, like, fully engaged because they're just playing, you right. know? And so we were listening to the song God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, and J.D., looks up and he says, man, he goes, do they know what they're singing? (laughs) He goes, man, he says, right, right. (laughs) He goes, do they really understand what they're singing? Like about judgment and the savior coming Mm -hmm. to the world? Like basically Mm -hmm. do, do people. And I said, you know what, son? Right, right. (laughs) I said, you know what? It's sad. I said, but for so many people, man. Um, it's just sort of a holiday thing. But that's a it's, point, it's, man. You know, if you uh, really look at those Christmas songs, there's some strong. Oh my goodness! <laughs> convicting, you know, it's some if theology. You, it's like, dude, like if serious. you really listen to them, um, if you were not a convert, you would get saved. <laughs> like if you really stopped for a second and and kind of paid attention to what you were singing, it would boggle the mind mm-hmm. how secular singers, those who have no fear of God, can sing, them. sing these songs. Right. Yeah. It gives whole new oh, meaning. Holy well, night. Say, oh my goodness. <laughs> Long lay I mean, the world in sin and era pining <laughs> to, <laughs> to he appear and hey, the soul hey. felt okay. his worth. Right. Okay. Stop preaching. Look, I, I know it's it's true, <laughs> but you know, it would it just it gives oh, an additional man. meaning to man being without excuse. It's yeah. like, you know, you sang the songs of your judgment and the fact that you didn't have to be. You mm. sang mm. these mm. songs, you know. Anyways, um, let me say 
We are far <laughs> off topic. Welcome back. <laughs> Let me say this. Um, again, the links to what we discuss will be in the show notes. So you can go to AFR.net, get today's show and read um, the articles in their entirety. I want to say one other thing. One other thing about the Religious Freedom Index that I didn't get to. Um, one, two things we need to keep our eye on as we watch percentages shift in this country as it pertains to um, religious freedom. There was a question raised about whether or not religion is part of the solution in this country or part of the problem. And um, 56 percent, while that's still the majority and that's good, 56 percent said that religion is part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Um, 44 percent said that it was part of the problem. Mm. I expect that that number is going to continue to grow. Yeah. And those who see religion as part of the solution in this country, that's going to decline. Mm-hmm. But then there was an additional uh, question asked about people of faith. Mm-hmm. So are people of faith part of the problem in this country or are they part of the solution? And 41% of Americans say that people of faith are part of the problem. Mm. Again, not the majority. 59% say part of the solution. That's still looking good. Yeah. But I don't expect that to stay there. Could it be setting up a little persecution coming? Man, well, you know, you know I try not to be there, all doom people, and gloom. I'm just saying. But those people I, I are the problem. You, if, if you are a faithful Christian and you are unapologetic about that, if the number of Americans believe or the number of Americans who believe that people of faith are part of the problem in this country Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's just no way to get around that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got to be that you determine in your mind already that you are not in the faith to be liked or loved by man. Mm. You're not seeking um, the approval of man and nor are you seeking his praise. You've got to be fortified already that you don't need that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's been good for us as Christians in the United States. We're going to remain faithful. We'll continue to engage. We'll, We'll continue Um, to serve in public office. We need to be doing these things. I mean, look, you know, if we care about our country, we would be involved Mm -hmm. if we really look, you know, pray that it goes well in the nation in which you dwell, because if it goes well in that nation, it goes well for you. The Lord God said to his people. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing is true for faithful Christians in the United States of America. If you care about your country, you better be involved in politics. You better be involved in the things that make your nation what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's simple. Mm-hmm. That's that's plain, you know. So anyways, um yeah. Involved in that because you expect people to cheer you as you come into office. Right. Right. And <laughs> and then and then everybody turns and President Trump is standing off saying, "Right. See, yeah, no. They're not going <laughs> to Man, like, what this guy has anyways, endured, right. man, is amazing. What President Oh Trump, my just, goodness. Just watching Only, some look. of these things on on video, like not video, streaming, you know, the IG report, all this stuff. Man, the stuff that he has endured, I'm like, dude, you've been called for this time. <laughs> I mean, you know, most you, people wouldn't be able to stand that. I don't know a career politician who could handle this. Right. I just don't know one. Um, maybe he's out there and he hasn't revealed himself yet. <laughs> but I just don't know a career politician who could have handled this. Um, there were some in the in the race, you know. Before, mm-hmm. before we got to the general election that I know a lot of people were pulling for, mm-hmm. you know, and I just I really don't know many, you know, no, I don't know. I mean, I'm being kind here. Who could have handled this? You <laughs> like know, this? I, I know. I, mean, I know. I was trying not to say it's been continual you know, throughout yeah. the whole, uh, you know, 
presidency. You know, it's like crazy. It's crazy. But anyway, yeah, that's not what we're talking about today. So. Hey, I just want to No, we'll move on. I just want to warn you, though, Will the Great, be yeah. careful what you say about President Trump as a black man, because, you know, we get hate mail. There was a person who recently because we were I don't know what we were even talking about, but um, this was a black person who sent us a message uh, wishing all kinds of hurt and harm on us and our family because we yeah. we um, showed mm-hmm. any kind of support for the president. Whatever. So I just want to tell you, don't you don't think independently. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's too <laughs> late for that. I just want to encourage you. I've been to doing continue it for, to be, for a long time. To continue to be oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to put a number on it. I'm just kidding. All right, <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's talk about this. Let's let's talk talk about this Barna research where they're looking at um, the one in ten percent. I'm sorry. Well, it's ten percent. I was going to say one in ten. <laughs> one in ten young Christians who, according to Barna, they call them the resilient disciples. Mm. So Barna has looked at um, young people ages eighteen to twenty nine mm-hmm. who once identified as Christian or who have a Christian background, and what they're trying to do is figure out. Why some Christians in this age group, 18 to 29, why they have left the faith. But what they have found is this small percentage, this 10 percent that are in the faith, but they are also actively engaged, like they are living out their faith. And they have found like the key reason um why these, as they call them, the resilient disciples, why, right. why they're doing this. Right. So this, they have a breakdown of four kinds of what they call exiles, mm. which is interesting because you remember I was talking about this book, The Church in Babylon? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that Dr. Brown? So it's really interesting oh, that. No, no, never mind. It no, it's Dr. not Brown. Dr. Brown. It's, um, uh, oh, my goodness, I know you're talking Moody, about formerly of the Moody yeah. Church. You're reading it. What's His name, name just left my mind. Somebody's yelling it at the guy. radio. We can't hear uh, you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Man. It's okay. I'm not don't don't talk louder. It's Luther? not gonna help Luther? me. I'm not gonna be Luther. able to remember his name. Luther? Erwin Luther. Erwin That's Luther. it. You got it. Okay, Erwin yeah. Luther. That's it. Gotcha. Um so, anyways, um he has this book, The Church in Babylon. Very interesting, the insight that comes from the book. It seems that the Barner group has used this same type of terminology to determine that there is a type of digital Babylon, is what mm. they call it. A digital Babylon, and they they are looking at exiles who are living in digital Babylon and they break them down into four categories. The largest category of these exiles, these digital exiles um, living in in Babylon would be habitual church goers, Mm -hmm. 38% habitual church goers. So they are always in church. Church is an important part of their life. Right. And then the next breakdown, 30%, would be the nomads or the unchurched. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are the ones who are just sort of out there. They once were church. They're not really hostile, but they just have kind of fallen away. Right. Right. Then 22% would be the prodigals or the ex Christians. So they have walked away from the faith. They mm. have turned their back on Christianity and the fourth and final group, the smallest percentage, 10% would be the resilient disciples Now, I was interested in this small percent because I think we can grow it. Hmm. I don't think that we have to continue with that 38 percent, the habitual churchgoers who are not actively living out their faith. That's what Barnum found, that Mm -hmm. they go to church, Mm -hmm. but they're not actively living out their faith. Right. Right. So they're not actively engaged in what it means to be a Christian. They just go to church because it's a part of their tradition. Yeah. 
I really believe that we can take this 38 percent and make more of them the resilient disciples. disciples. Yeah. They grow that group. Yeah, I agree because they're already in church. (laughs) <laughs> what, what did you think as you were looking at the as you were looking at the report? What did you think about it? Yeah, I, I, exactly what you're saying. Ten percent is the res, are the resilient disciples. Thirty eight percent are habitual churchgoers. So there's a problem there. And it's mm-hmm. but one thing is they're already going to church, which is I think a, mm-hmm. a, a good thing. Now, what type of church they're going? Like why are they just habitual churchgoers? Is the question like. You know, um, mm-hmm. like what type of church are they being preached the the, the word? You know, is it a, a, a church that is a solid church? You know, but at least they already have a framework to where they're open to the things of, of God. You know, so I think you it can't. You know, it's interesting. Grow. I think. I think that even and this is going to sound really weird, but can I just say, I think that even in like a semi solid church, even if the church is mm-hmm. not. Um, like the best situation for mm. these, you know, habitual churchgoers to be in. I think if they had um, people to help disciple them, even in that context, they could move into the category of resilient disciples. And I'll tell you why this Barna research laid out that there was one sort of um, distinguishing um, experience that these resilient disciples had that put them in this category. And the reason this category is important, let me just back up for a second here. The reason this category is important is because when these people are polled, they score in the high 80 to 90% of what it genuinely means to be a Christian. In other words, in other words, when they were asked the question right now, um, you know, which of the following phrases bets best fits how you would describe your faith to others, Mm -hmm. follower of Jesus or Christian, the resilient disciples are in the 97%, 95% responding that way. The habitual churchgoers, would you describe yourself as a follower of Jesus? 79% said yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're going to church all the time. Right. Are you a Christian? 81% said yes. Then these, um, these young people, 18 to 29 years old, they were asked the question about how central Jesus is in their life, mm-hmm. right? How central is Jesus in your life? So here's one of the um, one of the statements that they had to respond to. I believe living in relationship with Jesus is the only way to find fulfillment in this life. Well, the resilient disciples, 89% of them agree with that statement. The habitual churchgoers, 49%. Mm-hmm. 49%. Another statement they were asked to agree with or disagree with. My relationship with Jesus brings me deep joy and satisfaction. 90% of resilient disciples agree with that. 48% of habitual churchgoers. 48%. Another statement. Following Jesus shapes my whole life, body, mind, heart, and soul. Following Jesus shapes my whole life. And then they break that down, body, mind, heart, and soul. 88% of resilient disciples um, agree with that. Only 51% of habitual churchgoers agree with that. Yeah. This is why when you and I are often saying that we've got to identify as a Christian first and foremost, it sounds revolutionary to people listening in who are like, I go to church every Sunday and it doesn't Mm, take all of that. Right, right. Well, I mean, Barna is is showing that there's a different group called out or carved out Mm -hmm. for people who say, yeah, it does. Yeah. This is considered being resilient 
in Babylon. All right, we got to grab the break. Erin the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. on American Family Radio. If you want to talk to us about anything that we're discussing today, you can do that. Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. We'll open the phone lines up, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Give us a call. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham with Till I Found You. And we're looking at this Barner report, which, you know, my commentary on it is that it strongly suggests that a habitual churchgoer does not a disciple make? Um, and so it, it seems that we have kind of, I guess, maybe deceived ourselves into thinking that because our churches are filled and people are consistently going to church, mm-hmm. that they are faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Barna is looking at this, the the young group, um, the age 19 to 29, and really examining why there has been this massive drop off from the faith among this age group. Mm -hmm. And what they have found is that there's four different categories that these young people fall into and their practice is informed um, by these categories. And so the largest breakdown in this group, 18 to 29, they're called the habitual church goers, 38% followed by the nomads. They're just unchurched, you know, just kind of apathetic, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then 22% are the prodigals, the ex Christians, and then 10% are the resilient disciples. 10% are the resilient disciples. One of the things, a distinction made about the resilient disciples, the statement was, my relationship with Jesus impacts the way I live my life every day. Mm. 86% of the resilient disciples responded in the affirmative. Yes, yeah. this is true. Only 49% of the habitual churchgoers said yes. Mm-hmm. Less than half of the habitual churchgoers said that their relationship with Jesus impacts the way they live their lives every day. This is why our faith has got to go from nominal to vibrant and active. We have got to understand what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this only happens in discipleship. One of the things that uh, the Barna Group president, David Kinneman, said mm-hmm. is that, quote, what's so remarkable about resilient disciples is that they truly exhibit a higher level of intimacy with Jesus than other young adults raised in the faith. Yeah. Yeah. So now our question has <clears throat> got to be, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. How do we encourage and foster that kind of daily living and walking with Jesus in our churches. Um, We cannot be satisfied. This is my commentary on this. We cannot be satisfied with people just coming to church on a regular basis. I would even suggest, and Will the Great, I want to get your take on this, because I would even suggest that some of our outreach needs to happen right inside the four walls of our church. Yeah, I agree. I, I think some of the outreach needs to happen in, uh, in the church, I think this puts a, to me, it's, it shines a light on what's happening also in uh, 
in our homes, because we're talking about young people here, you know, um, who may have just gotten out of living with their parents, you know. So is there discipleship taking place at home? And I'm looking at this and I'm wondering, man, this 10 percent of resilient disciples. We talked about uh, solid churches or maybe churches that could it be that they are going to this 10 percent are going to solid churches, you know, and, you know, I, I don't know, you know. I think because I think it's hard to grow that number of habitual churchgoers if the churches are not solid on discipleship, you know, okay, but, on but discipleship. More, mm-hmm. I, I would. OK, so I would agree with you, but I think I would agree with you that that the. I guess what I see as the number one marker in these these young people's lives, like the resilient disciples is that there has been discipleship that they they have you know they right. have been taught how to be in relationship with the Lord so, Jesus go ahead so if you have churches that are not really doing that and they just come to church you know church going then how I don't see how those church can, churches can get more solid unless they cha- begin to change you know okay so now so now we have opened up a different can and and I know we, I want to go to the phone lines here but let me just ask you this just for clarity mm-hmm are you calling into question um, the how solid a church is based on their teaching of discipleship and training followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I think that there are a lot of churches who would describe themselves as solid. We teach the word of God, but are not actively engaged in one-on-one or small group discipleship training Christians. Yeah, I think that's a difference. There's a difference between teaching you know, a solid word, which is great. Mm-hmm. And being life on life with and, and having things in place in your church where people are actually going beyond the surface, mm. you know, and being disciple. And I wow. think w- what you see also is there's a lot of church going as well. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, where it's just yeah. like, we're going to see you on Sunday and Wednesday, come back next yeah. Sunday. And there's no interaction or no like discipleship that's happening. And so Man. Uh, for those for that 10 percent, all those 10 percent of people, those resilient disciples, I'm thinking they must be part of some type of thing within their homes or in their yeah. churches, probably both. Whereas yeah. re- being reinforced what it is to be a Christian. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just wanted to I just wanted to reiterate that so that we could be thinking about that as a collection of believers. Like, I mean, because I think when we hear, oh, they they must need to be a part of solid churches. There are some people who would say, well, our church teaches the word. I mean, we are not wishy washy. And so they would say that makes us solid. But I think the point that you're making, which I think is a great one. Mm -hmm. The point that you're making is that part of what is expressly laid out in the word is that there is to be discipleship. Right. There is to be robust training and one-on-one like making sure that a person understands what it is to be a robust follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is something we've overlooked there is to be I I believe Paul and Timothy type relationships there to be younger women older women teaching younger women and Mm -hmm. vice versa you know with the men and all that and so I I think you know if those elements are not happening and it's just going to church then there's a missing piece and maybe that's a reason for you know the lack of disciples being made all right let's Let's go straight to the phone lines. Uh, Will the Great, where do we go first? We've got a bank of calls. Let's try to get to as many as we can. Let's see here. We're going to go to Timothy in Texas. Hi, Timothy. <laughs> hey, how are you guys? Doing good. Hi. Great. Hey, I just um, wanted to say just a, a, a brief, make a brief statement and then just kind of listen to what you guys think about it. I think, um, I think this is like the most exciting time 
in, in, in Christian history, really. I, I think that the turmoil that we're seeing uh, is a marker, an identification marker from the Lord himself, showing mm. us that we need to kind of gird our loins and we need to pay more attention to him. Mm-hmm. I don't see it so much as a... Um, I, I don't see it so much as a, a, a failure as of yet, as I do see it as an opportunity. I mean, when you're talking about, um, you know, like the 10%, um, mm-hmm. I really believe that we have the greatest opportunity before us, uh, and I think we're just going to really have to hook down and listen to the Spirit of God and Amen. really get involved in, in, in some very unique ways that maybe we're not accustomed to. I mean, I'm 15 mm-hmm. years old, I'm a black guy. I can tell you, I've never, uh, I, I've been asleep for a long time. Mm. There hasn't been anything going on, you know. Really, it, 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 we've we've. I think we've all been somewhat semi asleep for a long time. Mm. When it comes Man. to truly walking out what God has called us to do, and I, I'm just starting with myself. I can tell you, I've been asleep for a long time. Yeah, I know the word. Yeah, but effectively walking that word out. Come on, someone, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. That, that, and I'm excited. Oh man! Look, I can hear the I can hear the excitement in your voice, Timothy. Yeah, I, I can mean, hear the excitement in your voice, and look, it's catching. Like it 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 excites and, me yeah. to hear a believer know what's going on. Go ahead, Will. And I agree. I think this is a great opportunity, a great time of opportunity. I also think it is a fail. There has been a failure. Yeah, I, I think it's both. You know. Yeah. But I think there is a great opportunity now. You know, I believe the harvest is plentiful. I believe that, you know, uh, the gospel can be clearly seen. You know, when we look at the backdrop of our world and our culture, and it's always mm-hmm. been, you know, we've lived in a, 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 a wicked time. But I think yeah. more and more, it's, it's more and more clear that, man, the answer is Jesus. And I Amen. think we, we need to seize this moment. Amen. Let's go back to the phone lines. Okay, let's go to David in Virginia. Hi, David. Hello there. Hi, can you hear Hi. me well? Yes. Yes. Okay, very well. Well, thank you for taking my call. And, and I just want to make a few comments, but I probably, if you give me the time, I'll also want to um, and reinforce them with Scripture. So um, it, it's, it's sad that there's only 10% uh, out of this group that they um, uh, surveyed uh, mm-hmm. that are resilient. Right. Um, and I would agree with you, Will, that um, I, I believe that probably the very most, and uh, solidly the very most uh, powerful influence would be in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 127 says, right. except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain to build it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and his arrows in the hand of a mighty man and, uh, and, and all that to train them and train them up in the way they should go. Right. And the end result is verse 5. Uh, the end of verse 5 says, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They'll be resilient. Come mm-hmm. on. And, uh, and so, so that's one thing. And then the other is, um, as far as the church is concerned, and, and the 34, 38% that are habitual churchgoers, mm-hmm. um, that's, it's a good thing. But I think that what I have found is that many churches, and maybe the majority of them, are no longer discipling their, their, uh, their uh, members. Um, mm. and, and certainly not going out and winning others to Christ. Um, so I think, first of all, we need to start teaching them the doctrines of the faith, mm-hmm. uh, the deity of Jesus Christ, the triunity of God, salvation by grace through faith, all of that solid teaching on the fundamental doctrines of the faith, the Word of God. And then 
um, uh, uh, teach them, encourage them, and and put them forth to win to get involved in ministry. Okay, to, to start exercising their faith mm-hmm. for the common good and also to win people to Christ. Go out witnessing. I have one more thing. <laughs> I have a plan that I've shared with my family, and I tell others, and we practice. You know, I practice it all the time, and uh, and we do as a family. And that is to share the gospel with someone every day. And mm, uh, I call it one. I call it one times one times three sixty five. And so one person <laughs> at least every day for three hundred and sixty five days. And at the end of the, of the year, you'll have witnessed uh, at least 365 people. You'll find that you'll, you're going to do it more and more as you get, get into it. Um, David. And then, yes. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just yes. wanted to jump in to say that's uh, great. I, I think that's wonderful. Yes. And, you know, if, if the Lord only gives us 2% of, of 365, we're still talking about 17 new people that came to Christ and inviting people to come to church. And, uh, and if a church practices this and has 50 uh, people or maybe 100 people, depending on the size of the church, that are doing one times one times 365, that church will grow exponentially in a few years. I like it. the new people will be discipled. The new people will get discipled, and then they start going out and witnessing as well and telling people about the wonderful Savior that just saved their souls. And, uh, and, and before you know it, that church has grown exponentially, mm-hmm. and the gospel is getting out. And the, you know what? If we do this all around the country, we could change this country in a few years. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amen. David. David, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love how, how David got to his third point and he kind of hurried as if like the Oscar music was going to start playing. He's like, <laughs> and then the, the last thing I want to say, it's like, we're not going to, we're not going to like pull you off, you know? I mean, we will sometimes, but not all the time. Where do we go next? Will the great. Let's go to William in Oklahoma. Hi, William. All right. Thanks for taking my call. I just want to make two comments about the religious test. Um, mm-hmm. there was one Muslim person and they were asking him about the real law and he just popped up and said, I'm not going to take the religious test and everybody said up. But I think when somebody mm-hmm. asks about if they're Christian or not, you wonder what is their agenda. Most of the people who are questioning Christians like uh, Kareem Harris, he wanted to legalize sex workers. Mm-hmm. And then you have the gay people who wanted to legalize, you know, more rights for the LGBT. Right. And so all these people who are questioning religious tests, we have to say, well, why are you? Because you want immorality to be mm-hmm. passed. You want to make sin legal it. and Christianity, you know, criminal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all the people who have, have to say, why are they asking those questions? But That's right. Because well, we have an open mind. Will you accept it? Well, if you're not going to be open-minded enough, you know, so mm-hmm. and anyway about the habitual uh, uh, Christians. Most people, the church is a party. It's a club. They grew up mm. in the church. They have a talent. They sing. They even people say they like the way they play the piano. Mm-hmm. And they just go in there and we and then back in the sixties people hated the sixties. But actually I was a member of the sixties with the religious movement and we were young people. We want to go out and witness. We want to do this and the old people slow down. All mm. right, you know. Just wait a minute. You know, and your first love when you get when you get Christ, you want to tell everybody yeah. mm-hmm. how you got saved. And they, but nobody at then at the churches, uh, at my church, I looked at the old history. They had a disciple deal service where people would learn how to disciple. And these habitual Christians, do they go to yes. service? No, Father, they mostly go to. You know, so anyway, that's what I want to say. But God bless you, William. I appreciate that. No, that's that's some really good some really good insight. And I think he he is exactly right. Look, what we don't realize in our country, and we should increasingly realize this, 
is that our country works for a moral people and that morality defined according to Judeo-Christian principles. Mm -hmm. And so when we are living in a time where that is being um, where that is resented Mm -hmm. and suppressed in some cases, we're in trouble. But again, as our brother Timothy began, these are some exciting times. We see the Lord refining the church and we must continue to hold the line. We're out of time for today until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.